0: Today, I'm going to tell you a story, a story about resilience, a story about adversity, and a story about light, even when the circumstances make you think that all that exists is darkness. It's a story of the life of one of my friends. For this podcast, we'll call him Sam the story of Sam's life. And Sam, I met him in Angers, France last spring when I was studying abroad. After about a week or two, I remember the first time I saw Sam, we were sitting in the classroom together. And as we went around introducing ourselves in French, the teacher asked us, hey, tell us, uh, tell us something you're interested in. Tell us something that uh, fires you up. And I remember Sam, standing up and saying, hey, I'm a big sports guy. And he sat down. And truthfully, when I, when I heard that, I looked at him, I said, bro, you're on, you think you're a big sports guy. Well, hey, let's get out on the, the field again. Let's get on the court. I'll show you, I'll show you as a sports guy. That was the beginning of our friendship. Soon after, we started talking, helping each other with French homework. It wasn't until a dreary gray, chilly day in Angers. About, Three weeks later, until I heard Sam's story. The first part of it this day, and over the course of the next four months, I would gain the other bits and pieces until I finally had a complete picture. Sam grew up in Syria. He grew up with his mom. He grew up with his two brothers. And for 19, 20 years of his life, Sam enjoyed his home. Syria, culture, friends, food, beautiful. Green trees, lush bushes. There was a quote in Syria that many people used to say before the Civil War started. A quote that went something like, man, we don't have to go anywhere for paradise because paradise is where we live. That's how Sam described his country to me, his culture, his people. He was proud. He was proud of the traditions. He was proud of their generosity. He was proud of their origins, the history behind the country of Syria. And then the war started. Back in 2010, 2011, 2012, when the conflict started in Syria. And Sam describes it to me kind of like this. For 19 years of his life, he lived peacefully, lived with his mom and his brothers in a beautiful house. They had plenty of food, so many great friends. And then the bomb started dropping. And on that day, when the bomb started dropping, they said, we can't stay here anymore. This is not safe. We are in danger. And so they moved. They moved to a house a couple hours away, still in Syria, but close by to some friends. And when it became apparent that they still weren't safe, they knew something had to be done. And Sam, recognizing that his family could not stay in Syria any longer, basically asked the government if he could get permission, applied for permission to go to another country to work. That's what he told them he was doing. But in reality, he, like millions of other refugees, individuals in that country, said, we have to flee, we have to leave. So after uh, receiving permission from the government to go to another country and work on the promise that he would come back and serve Assad and serve the dictatorship and hatred rule in Syria. Sam left. His family had moved to Turkey by this time, but Turkey was still too close to Syria. And after completing some schooling In Turkey, the government would have forced him to serve in the military had Sam and his family either gone back to Syria or had Sam been caught in Turkey. So Sam said, we can't stay here. I can't stay here. I'm endangering you to his mom and his brothers. And he, like so many, jumped on a boat a small rickety boat and crossed the Mediterranean on an arduous journey. 18 hours in a boat. And after about 18 hours, no food, no water, wondering where the heck this journey would lead, wondering if he would even survive. Sam remembers seeing a giant military boat approach the craft, the craft carrying over 120 individuals. This small rickety craft with holes and as the military ship approached he couldn't help wondering what the heck was going to happen fortunately this was the greece military they'd seen the boat and it had come to to try and assist in whatever way possible they said we can take you to land we can take you to the greece land but we can't promise that you're going to be able to enter this country as you guys are refugees and he said no problem And so Sam and the hundreds of people in this small boat were dropped off at a refugee camp. And for two weeks, Sam stayed. And as he describes to me, his voice quiet, a lot of pain evident on his face. The conditions were horrible. Kids crying, violence, not enough food. He said that he had a small little tent that when he would go to sleep at night, wouldn't keep out the rain. And so he would wake up in the morning and basically be soaked. Soaked because the rain had caused mud to start flooding. He would wake up in mud and wet thinking, what the heck am I doing here? I just want to go home. After two weeks at this camp and living in these horrendous conditions, he befriended a social worker who listened to his story and was so moved, she said, hey, come with me. And for the next six months, this social worker, this angel, as Sam puts her, allowed him to stay at her home, fed him, clothed him, and said, hey, I want to help you, and I want to help you and your family find a new country, find a new place at the time being. So as she helped him submit all his paperwork, to organizations that talk to countries about providing homes for refugee families. He sat and he waited. And it wasn't until 2015 that he heard back a full year and a half, his family still in Turkey, that Sam heard back from the French government saying, hey, we can offer you a place in Saumur, France, a small little town 20 minutes outside of Angers, a 90-minute, 110-minute train ride from Paris. Sam jumped at the chance and went to France. And as he's in France, there was some rule that essentially said, if you're a refugee, if you're new to your now home country, you can't work for about a year until all the paperwork has gone through. And so for a year, Sam sat. For a year, he didn't know what to do. For a year, he thought about his mom, thought about his brothers. And fortunately during that year, he did have a place to stay. He did have a small stipend, so he didn't starve. He had some food. But as he puts it, he didn't know who to go to or what to do, and it didn't help he had just had a pretty remarkable encounter with someone who gave him the opportunity of a lifetime, which he turned down. You see, when Sam was with that woman in Greece for that year and a half, waiting to hear back from the governments in Europe to see where he and his family possibly could be placed, that woman's sister fell in love with Sam. True story. And after about eight months gave him the proposal, if you agree to marry me, I would take you to the United States. And as flattered as Sam was by this proposal, he did not love this woman. But yet, should he go to the United States with someone he doesn't love to perhaps give his mom and his brothers an opportunity? He ended up saying no. No. And as a result, waited and got placed back in France. So after about a year of waiting in France for the documentation to occur, for him to receive the authorization that he could work, he was able to get a job in France. And it wasn't until a year and a half, two years later, he was able to finally bring, finally bring his mom and his brother to France. And as Sam was telling me all this, he does so with serenity, with peace. And as I looked at him, as I said, dude, you've gone through some things that only people can have nightmares about. How have you done it? He tells me the one thing that stuck out to him about all this, the one thing that has kept him going is the phrase, just keep going forward. Just keep moving. And he, as he told me early on in the story, when he was back in Syria and when his family recognized the gravity of the situation, they couldn't stay in Syria. They couldn't stay in their home. They were at one house in Syria after initially moving, like I described earlier. And one of his brothers went back to their initial house to get something because they didn't have the chance to take out any of their things before leaving. The next day, his brother didn't come home. And when Sam and his mother and his other brother started questioning, started asking questions to the Syrian government officials, they said to be quiet. They told Sam's mom that if she continued questioning about her missing son, her other sons would also be missing. To this day, Sam does not know where his brother is. He lives with his mom and his one brother in France. He's been able to receive some education on the French language. He currently has a job and is currently finding joy. Today, I look at Sam as an incredible inspiration that no matter how hard the circumstances are, no matter how arduous, no matter how unfair life seems no matter if you get kicked out of your own country, because if you stay, you die. You die from bombing, or you die because you are not willing to serve a dictator in your country. Sam exhibits such joy, positivity in a light, in a light that will never, ever die. And especially in this time where so many individuals all over the world are struggling, whether it's economic hardship, whether it's the virus, whether it's discrimination, racism, not being heard, we all are going through a battle. But the light, as Sam has shown me, the light can always shine and the light will always shine. And so when I had the great privilege of getting to meet Sam's mom and brother last year, Angers, last year in Saumur, when I took the train out to see him and his mom and brother. And I'm standing in this beautiful, small apartment, one living room, one tiny bathroom, and a tiny kitchen. I couldn't help but just feel the joy emanating from this family that has gone through so much, yet continues to push forward, yet continues to be okay when the situation obviously is not okay. And as they serve me a feast, a Syrian feast, with very little money in their pocket, with only a stipend, of maybe 400 euros a month, I look around and I just see light. I just see light in their faces, in their smiles, in their joy, in their utter happiness that they get to share their culture with someone unfamiliar to it, someone like me. Today, Sam and I stay in great touch. He constantly is updating me on how he is doing, how his family is doing, And perhaps one day, if he and his family, his mom and his brother can go back to Syria and go back home, as he puts it. But for the time being, he is so grateful. So grateful to the French government for giving him a home. So grateful for the light that does exist, even in a time of pain. Sam's dream is to be an HR manager. That is his dream, to help other people better figure out their lives, to be a supporter of others who are going through challenges like and unlike the ones he has faced. And in a world that I live in, in a place like the United States, that says, you are not enough. The light will not shine at times. Sam is it a phenomenal example to me and so many other people in this world that the light will continue to shine and that there is the opportunity every single day to choose light in the midst of utmost